Hi, this is T.K. Boomer, and I'm a science fiction author about to release Planet Song, the first book in the new FAR trilogy. I'm not only going to release it as a book, I'm also going to release it as a series of episodic podcasts. These will feature me, yours truly, reading from the book in chunks that will take an average of 20 minutes to listen to. This first episode will take a bit longer because there's some setup involved. I'm going to begin, for instance, by reading the dust jacket copy from the book to give you some sense of what the book is about. Then afterwards, I'm going to give you a brief explanation of why this book is written largely from the alien perspective. Here's the jacket copy. When the far pet merchants arrive on the earth in the middle of the 14th century, they are on a routine pet collecting expedition. Teresia, a far female, sees the pet merchant's profit-is-everything mentality as a serious threat to a plague-ravished and stagnant humanity. She does everything she can to protect them, but then the merchants discover humpback whales, singers of the most powerful, addictive, and potentially lucrative songs they have ever encountered. When the merchants realize their ship is too small to transport these animals, they decide to return to their home planet for something bigger. It's a round trip that will take 650 years, and it will give humanity a reprieve. No one in the FAR leadership believes that mankind will present much of a challenge, but when the FAR return in the early 21st century, they find that the human race has evolved into a much different beast. Now, Teresia must try and protect the inhabitants of Earth from a war they can't possibly win. Planet Song is written largely from the point of view of the FAR, the oldest sapient species in the galaxy and the only one to have mastered interstellar travel. They are an aquatic species, and over their history they have dealt with the issue of lengthy space voyages by artificially extending their own lifespans. These average out to 70 millennia, making them almost, but not quite, immortal. Which brings me to the reason why this book is written largely from the far perspective. The story I'm telling in Planet Song takes place over roughly 1,000 years. During that time, the far characters change little, but humanity goes through multiple generations. It isn't until the final third of the book, when the story is compressed into a much shorter time span, that consistent, ongoing human characters begin to appear. Well, I've just broken the rule of too much exposition, so I'll give you Planet Song by T.K. Boomer. Part 1. The Seeking Teresia Teresia unfolded herself from the flaps of the manta and waved it off. The giant Ceph jetted away, moving far faster empty than it had with a passenger. She watched as it rose towards the surface, spread its diaphanous wings, and soared the ocean currents. She felt a twinge of guilt for interrupting its day. She turned and looked across the swimway at Songcorp's headquarters, a giant teal-blue dome that mimicked an aroused male diaphragm. The city had many palaces and impressive buildings, but this trumped them all. Teresia felt the ballow on her forehead inflate and its neutral beige morph into a swirling tempest of rage red and fear yellow. She fought to control it, drawing water slowly through her gills to force a return to the beige. 
three security guards floated in a line behind the entrance to the building. Fit and young far, they showed no signs of song addiction. Each held a pitch wand. Behind them, a coral garden beckoned with a collection of radiant trophy fish and a few gauzy shrimp. Teresia swam forward. I have an appointment, she said. You're the femfar? the one on the right asked. His pitchwan moved to within a few inches of her diaphragm. Teresia said nothing, but felt the beige yellow and then pink into irritation. The pitchwan was capable of inflicting severe pain when touched against the male diaphragm, but it would have no effect on her. She glared at the guard until his bellow inflated and moved into embarrassment. Of course she is, said the second one. If you would follow me, Mamini. Someone had taught him the ancient form of Femvar address. Teresia allowed her gill slits a small ripple of pleasure. It was a nod to a time when the far expressed their sexuality, when males noticed females. Now the femfars were little more than objects of curiosity, mistakes made in the reproductive labs, pitied because songs could not arouse them, and males had no interest. The guard led Teresia past the coral garden and into the stunted kelp forest beyond. A blue-green jelly, a favorite food, pulsed into Teresia's peripheral vision. She snag-tongued it, pulling it into her mouth and swallowing. Not many job applicants would poach in Songcorp's forest on the way to meet Lord Grayling, the guard said. Not many job applicants are called in to meet him personally, she replied, allowing just enough gold into her bellow to show a hint of arrogance. True enough, I suppose, he said, but pinked into irritation. They swam deeper into the kelp forest. Somewhere in the midst of all this greenery, the board met, a secret group of well-placed fars that controlled Songcorp. Apart from Lord Grayling himself, no one was really sure who belonged to this group, although there were plenty of rumors. The kelp forest gave way to a sandy clearing with a small population of sharks and rays. Teresia looked up. The teal dome of the Songcorp building still loomed above her, but the current against her scales and the plankton in her gills made it feel like they were in the open ocean. "'It's bigger than it looks, isn't it?' said an old voice. Teresia turned. "'Lord Grayling,' she said, willing her bellow to purple with respect, although she could still feel the small shards of fear yellow.' She tried willing this toward confidence green, but the shards persisted. Grayling spoke to the guard. You may leave. I'll be quite safe here. The guard disappeared into the kelp forest. Grayling turned back to Teresia. Don't call me Lord, the old far said. A simple Grayling is fine. Money should never give rise to titles. It's their doing. He gestured dismissively at the kelp forest. Indicative of power, I suppose, but I don't like it. Grayling, Teresia said, studying the legendary merchant. At close to one hundred millennia, he was the oldest far she had ever met. Still, 
she was surprised how thin and frail he was. His scales showed the kind of maintenance that only the rich could afford, meticulous cosmetic repair, but the results showed wealth and not vitality. He had multiple implants in his fins. His diaphragm, though sagging and showing the scars of previous ruptures, was clean and glowed a healthy teal blue. He could still be aroused, even at his age. Grayling gestured to the structure they were in. Anyone can do this, given enough ambition. His gills rippled and he turned to Teresia. The board is curious about your application. You can't be interested in song. No, I expect to profit from this, Teresia said, a lie that she had practiced for hours before a reflector, getting the tinge of her ballow a perfect shade of confidence green. Most song-collecting expeditions don't make money, the old merchant said. I assume you know that. Occasionally we make a major find, and then, of course, everyone is well compensated. Crew members are usually motivated by the quest, however long that may be, and quite frankly because they get frontline exposure to virgin song should they find any. That's not a well-kept secret, I'm afraid. No. Teresia agreed. So then, if profit is unlikely and Virgin Song has no effect on you, why do you want to go? Curiosity is a secondary motivation, I suppose. New worlds are always interesting. But profit is still the primary one? Yes. Grayling's bellow was green with a confident splatter of gold. We've filled the position you applied for, that of exobiologist in charge of sapient species research. Teresia was stunned. When? A few days ago. A bright young far. Durath, I believe his name is. I'm sure he'll do well. Then why did you bring me in? You're a bit of an anomaly. A femfire with an interest in the activities of Songcorp? You must know how exceedingly strange that seems. Teresia flattened her gills. Strange? I seek lucrative employment. How is that strange? Ah, yes, your stated motivation. Profit. We like that, of course, but then what corporate entity wouldn't? Profit is the engine we all run on, isn't it? But you see, that's exactly what anyone in our position would want to hear, from a prospective employee, and, of course, anyone seeking employment with us would know this. Teresia had to be careful. Are you suggesting I have another motivation? Do you? She studied Grayling. The CEO of Songcorp didn't bring her in just to tell her they weren't going to hire her, so there must still be a chance. There are fourteen of us, she said, guessing that the issue was her sex. Fourteen femfars out of a population of twenty-five million. Hardly a significant group. The truth is I've only met two of them. The rest are reclusive, rarely venturing out. If you had such a target on your abdomen, you might feel the same way. Teresia looked down at her small diaphragm. So you see, I'm no threat to Songcorp. I may well be the only far applying to the corporation who does have a single motivation. Grayling's gills rippled. Well played. But you see, 
Even if we assume that profit is your sole motivation here, there are multiple ways in which you might profit from this situation that would not be in Suncorp's best interests. Spying for the competition? Grayling said nothing. If anything, the green on his confidence had deepened. I've done my research, sir, Teresia said. Songcorp has three times the success rate of any other company. You're powerful enough to have done thorough checks on any applicant, and I'm sure you have done so in my case. I wouldn't have been called in if you had found anything. That's just it? We found nothing. You live a remarkably modest lifestyle for someone so interested in money. Money is power, sir. You of all far know that. But if one spends it on trivialities, one weakens that power. Ah, so you're one of those rare individuals who doesn't feel the need to show off one's wealth. I am a fenfar. Why would I seek even more attention? Another good point, Grayling said. But that still doesn't tell us what you plan to do with the money. Teresia went pink. Do you ask that question of all your employees? We know what most of our employees will do with the money. Bigger houses, menageries, extensive loop collections, visits to exotic pet spas. They're a predictable lot. We like predictability. And I'm not predictable. Exactly. Teresia would have to give him some of the truth. I have an interest in ancient artifacts, she said. Eventually I'd like to take an occupation off and devote myself to the study of them. Currently no paid position exists for that kind of research, so to survive a millennium with no income, I will need money in reserve. Cards, Grayling said, nodding his head. Teresia blanched. He knew, but how much did he know? That's right, she said carefully. How did you know that? We didn't, but uh, thanks for confirming it. We do know that you've been seen in the presence of the Holy Son, and we are aware that he has an interest in ancient religious texts. Teresia said nothing. Well, he said, studying ancient texts is a benign enough activity, I suppose. All right, then. We are prepared to offer you a position. But you just said you gave another father position I applied for. Grayling studied her. Most applicants understand that the application process is more open than that. Most will accept whatever we offer them. Teresia said nothing. We keep our plans to ourselves, Grayling said. Our antiquity gives us certain advantages over the competition. We have records of expeditions going back half a billion years. Some of those early expeditions visited planets where all the factors were in place to ensure the evolution of singers, but they hadn't appeared yet, too early in their evolutionary history. So we plan a return expedition in the future when the planet has matured. It increases the chances of success and gives us a decided advantage over the competition. So you're saying this is one such expedition? I did not say that. Teresia allowed her gill slits a slight quiver.
what is this position? Why, exobiologist, of course. Teresia studied Grayling. The old far was trying to maintain control, but his gills were betraying his amusement. A song chaser? You want me to be a song chaser? Song chasers were exobiologists, but their focus was entirely on the finding of alien singers. Well, you have to admit it's an interesting idea. When we thought about it, we realized you are quite possibly the best insurance policy we could have. A song chaser who can't be impaired by song. A song chaser without lust. A song chaser whose sole motivation is profit. The perfect corporate employee. Precisely. Your reputation is justified, Lord Grayling. So? Teresia flattened her gills. The position was not ideal. Most song chasers had the well-deserved reputation of being song-addicted louts. They would not be pleasant company. Still, she would have achieved her goal of getting on board a Song Corp ship. The bonus would be higher? she asked. Triple the standard crew percentage. We like to keep our song chasers happy. Triple? Yes. I think you've just hired yourself a song chaser, Teresia said. Ocean. Ocean, the Holy Son, arranged to meet Teresia a few weeks later in the bows of his official residence. There he knew that Songcorp could not listen in. They would see her coming and going, though, a risk that Ocean was prepared to take. The Holy Son was of the elite, genetically engineered to be taller and more regal than the common far. For Teresia this made him attractive in ways that she wasn't supposed to feel. Did you get on board? he asked her. Yes, Holy Son. And did he reveal the venture? He did not confirm that it was a return expedition, but I think it is, yes. He was pretty sure of the profits to be made. And you will be in a position to protect a sapient species should one be encountered. This is good. Well, not quite. I, I wasn't hired as a sapient species specialist. They found someone younger with no experience. Ocean was silent for a moment. His bellow reddened. This is typical of Songcorp. I thought your condition would give us an advantage, but apparently not. Teresia went silent, her bellow slowly graying into sorrow. I'm sorry, Ocean said, his bellow purpling. I didn't mean to reference it in that way. He shimmered into a soothing alga green. No, it's all right, she said. Sometimes a chance word will pull me back to emotions I haven't felt in ages, emotions that I've long since moved beyond. She went silent again. Ocean waited. It's curious how they call one's first millennium an occupation, isn't it? She said finally. Because you're not employed. You're a child. And they never put your first millennium on your PDM because you're supposed to be able to recall your childhood at will. Because it's a defining part of who you are. I recall it. Two-thirds the way through, the blood flows to the diaphragms increased, and as they enlarged, the minders came and began taking my friends away. 
They were adults then, at least in their bodies, and alive to song, so they were taken to sonically controlled environments where they could learn to cope. One by one they went, until I was the only one left. Is that when they brought you to be my companion? No, not immediately. First they did tests, and what happened after that was odd. They didn't tell me the results. They changed the pronouns. Instead of he and his, it became she and hers. But I knew what it meant. I could not be aroused by song. I was a throwback to the old sexuality. Now, of course, I see it as freedom, but at the time it was quite a shock. Ocean darkened. I, too, would be song-deaf if I had such an option. Teresia nodded. But you would be more than just song-deaf. Not if I, like you, had the original sexuality. His bellow lightened in blue pleasure as he looked at her. Teresia shivered. It was the first time Ocean had ever expressed such a wish, and the first time he had ever looked at her in that way. There had never been a male reversion. The first modificate had destroyed all remnants of the original male genitalia. Ocean could not feel for her what she felt for him. But that did not prevent her from... It hit like a wave, a full-body flush that rippled back and forth beneath her scales. Her bellow blued and then rainbowed. She tried to steady herself. "'Are you all right?' Ocean asked. "'Yes,' she said. "'I just felt a little unsteady for a moment.' "'Are you sure?' "'Yes.' Ocean nodded. "'So, tell me, what will you be doing aboard that ship?' Teresia's gills rippled. "'Song-chasing,' she said. Ocean, the holy son, nearly swallowed his tongue. Grayling His space within the kelp forest was little more than a small clearing. Certainly that was all that any other far would see if they chanced upon it. The ancient algorithms would open its true purpose only if Grayling were to arrive alone. He swam into it and felt the gentle, swirling waters rise to support his aging body. A holographic image appeared before him, a ghostly scene of hundreds of ancient far, soft focus, so that he could not recognize any of the faces. "'Have you hired her?' a solitary voice asked. "'Yes,' Grayling replied. "'She has agreed to be a song-chaser on the mission, as we planned.' And can she be managed? Another voice asked. She will be one far swimming against the corporate tide. She has assets we can use, even if she opposes us. Yes, we can manage her. And her patron, the Holy Son, another voice asked. He is immensely unpopular, Grayling said. He is no threat to Songcorp. Hi, this is T.K. Boomer, and thanks for listening to this podcast. My intention is to keep recording these episodes until the entire novel is available here. If you'd rather read it than wait for each episode, you can go to tkboomer.com, where there will be purchase links. 
These will be active as of June 24, 2016. About six weeks after that, I plan to release a paperback edition. Thanks again for listening.